0: Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you that we can be partners together in this great work that you have laid upon our shoulders. And Father, we rejoice with heaven because of the new family members that we have. And Lord, we pray again a special blessing to be upon them and their family. Let their light so shine dear Lord, that others may be attracted by what you are doing in their lives. And Lord, may the rest of us continue to be faithful to you as we let our, our light shine as well. Bless our time together, Lord, as we spend a few moments studying your word, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. It was 2006, and I was finishing a seminar, or I finished a seminar in Ashland, Wis- uh, in Appleton, Wis- Wisconsin, small town, uh, not very big. It's in the northeast part of the, of the state. And I had three days between that seminar and my next seminar. And there was only one place that I wanted to be during those three days because in a couple of months, I was about to unite my life with my dear wife. And so for those three days, I decided that there's nobody else that I wanted to be with than with my best friend, who was my fiancé at the time and later on became my best friend. The only thing was is that Midori at the time lived 800 miles away in Wichita, Kansas. And that was not going to stop me. It's amazing what love will do to you, isn't it? That was not going to stop me. So as soon as I could, I had my car packed and I was ready to go. And I hit the road as soon as I finished my obligations and I drove nonstop. Now, you have to understand something. At that time when I traveled, at 9 o'clock, I stopped for the evening and I got a hotel and slept for the night. Well, I only had three days, and I wasn't going to let spend some of that time in a hotel. So I just booked it all day and all night, and I pulled in in the early morning, and I spent those three days with the, person that, the only person that I wanted to spend that time with during that time. Then I jumped back in my car and did 900 miles to my next meeting in northern Wisconsin, and I didn't mind a bit. Because I knew that I was going to be spending time with somebody that meant a lot to me. And you know, this is the time of the year where we oftentimes take trips. We might go to another state or another part of our state. We we, we move around because at this time of the year, we want to be with those That means something to us. Maybe you're not going to be traveling this year. Maybe there will be people who are traveling to you. But there's a lot of movement at this time of the year. People moving, people traveling, people going from various places, catching flights, whatever it is, because they want to spend time with people who mean a lot to them. Christmas season is a good time for that. Families come together and enjoy time spending time together. Uh, Mothers travel long distances to see their children. Uh, Daughters travel long distance to see their mothers. Grandchildren are brought to the grandparents' house. I remember when I was a kid, all of the happy memories in my grandparents' home. And in just a couple of days, we're going to be traveling down to Kentucky to go see my family for the Christmas holidays. Moving around because there's somebody special that we're going to spend time with. You know, the Bible records a story uh, that took place many years ago about a, a group of men who traveled a long distance because they were in pursuit of spending time with someone that meant a lot to them who they hadn't even met at the time. Different people kind of theorize where these men came from. All we know is that they came from the East, Some say maybe it was Babylon, some say maybe it was India, some say it may have been as far flung as China. We don't really know, so we don't know how long their trip was, but we know given the means of transportation at that time, do you know what the means of transportation was at the time? Animals. We know given the means of transportation at the time, it was a long and slow trip that took place night after night after night after night. The Bible doesn't name these men. Popular culture tells us that there were three of them, but the Bible doesn't name the number. We simply call them from, a, from the Bible the wise men. The wise men were driven by a curiosity to find out where this king that they had read about was born, and they wanted to meet him. Go with me in your Bibles. You should be already there for our, from your scripture reading. To Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says this Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. You know, it reminds me of another trip that took place back in the time of the Old Testament. You remember, he's the father of faith, Abraham. The Lord asked him to take a trip to go someplace. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but he knew that God was calling him to go somewhere. And this great father of faith decided to obey the call of God in his life. And just like Abraham, these three Gentile men, what some think of as three, are these Gentile men, heard the calling of God in their life, and they were driven to go and find out where he was, who was born, king of the Jews. They were driven by a reverent curiosity to see this God, this God child that had been predicted to has been born. They found this prophecy, this ancient prophecy, and some ancient scrolls, as they searched, they were wise men, they were astrologers, they were, uh, they were interested in the acquisition of knowledge, and as they paid through and thumbed through the scrolls of sacred writings, they found an Old Testament prophecy that seemed to indicate that there would be the coming of a Messiah or a child king. That prophecy was in Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17. You can jot that down in your notes. The Bible says this. It's an Old Testament prophecy given by the prophet Balaam. He said, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, as the wise men saw the star in the night sky, they were acquainted with the heavenly bodies, and as they looked, they noticed that this star was different than the other stars, and this prophecy seemed to indicate that there could be the coming of the promised one. in fact, inspiration tells us that they also had dreams that confirmed this curiosity. the Holy Spirit was leading these men to go in search of Jesus, their God. In verse 2 of Matthew chapter 2, we actually find the only words recorded in Scripture that the wise men spoke. Now, the Bible calls them wise men. Is it too far to say that their words would be wise as well? if they're wise men, their words must have some level of wisdom within them. So let's take a look at these wise men and these wise words here in verse 2, just for a moment here, and see what they were actually saying. Uh, for in the first part, they ask this question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And then they cite what it is that is encouraging them, for we have seen his star in the east. And then thirdly, they set a good example that they have come to do what? Worship him. Notice the question again. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? You know, I find it interesting. The wise men did not ask if the, if, if, if the Messiah had been born. They didn't say, has he been born? Is he here? Has he arrived yet? No, no, no. That wasn't their question. That was already fixed in their mind. They knew that Jesus had been born. They were asking the question, where is he? And they came to the group of people who should have been the only group of people that would have known the answer to that question. For the Jews had been entrusted the sacred oracles of God, the over 350 prophecies of scripture that indicated the coming of the Messiah. They had that, they read it, they memorized large portions of that. And here the wise men come and they ask this question, where is he that is born king of the jews the question implies that they themselves were not jews for if they were they would have said where is our king who has been born but no they say where is he that is born king of the jews it's stunning to me as i read the story that god had to use gentile men to remind his people that the messiah had been born lord forbid The people who had been entrusted with the truths of the Bible. God had to bring these these Gentile men from a far distance who traveled over the dusty plains, over desert, over hill, over valley, uh, through rivers. They had to travel a tremendous distance. And God had to bring them to Jerusalem to remind not just the people, but the religious leaders who had been entrusted with the word of God that the Messiah had been born. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let not history repeat itself in our church, amen? God has given to us sacred scriptures. He has given us beautiful truths from his word. Let it not be the Gentiles who have to come and remind us of the truth that God has given to us in his word, amen? So I asked you the question this morning. Are you more like the Jews or are you more like the wise men? Are you, are you, do you value what God has given to you in the word of God? Or do you, as the Jews, go by tradition instead of scripture as the wise men did? The wise men set us a very wise example that we should be students of the word of God, pouring over the scriptures and following the direction that the Spirit of God leads us to go in. Let us not follow the example of the Jewish nation, for that is there as a witness, so that we might know the end result of following that way that they did. Let us be like the wise men and not like the Jews. Amen? The other thing that I find interesting as I look at this question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? It seems to indicate that it expresses a keen interest that they had in the birth of this child who they are calling the king. I can imagine in my mind's eye, as the wise men are traveling across this this long distance, we don't know how long it was, but, but it was a tremendous distance, day after day as they are traveling by night, looking at the star. They couldn't see the star during the day. They did travel at night. That as they were traveling along, what, what, what was it that they were talking about while they were, while they were traveling? What do you think it was that, that they were conversing about amongst one another? Do you think they were talking about just common things? Or do you think that they were talking about the fulfillment of these prophecies that they had been reading in the sacred writings? Day after day, we're told in the book, Desire of Ages, night after night, as they traveled along, they were talking and discussing these prophecies. And the more they talked about it, the more they studied it, the more they discussed it, the deeper that conviction got in their hearts. And it drove them to keep going, to go through trial, to go through difficulty, to suffer through whatever trial they had to go through in that journey, because at the end, they would meet somebody important. Isn't that beautiful? They set us an incredible example. Indeed, they are wise men. But notice what they share, or what the reason that they give, that encouraged them to start out on this journey in the first place. Where is he, they say, that is born king of the Jews? What was it that encouraged them? For we have seen his star in the east, the Bible tells us. Now, We understand that this star was not something that was fixed in the heavenly body. It was not a planet or some star as we understand it. But this was an angel star that was guiding these men along. Notice what the scriptures tell us. Jump down a few verses here to verses 9 and 10. Notice what it says. It says this. They departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, Till it came and stood over where the young child was. I don't think any of us just caught the, the enormity of that statement right there. Where did the star take them? Where did it take them? It says it took them to where who was. Have you ever seen a star be able to lead you to where a person is? Evidently, this star had some sort of supernatural capabilities. It wasn't just a star in the sky, but this star had the ability to lead the wise men to where Jesus was. And they cite it as the reason for their encouragement to make this journey. The star led them to Jerusalem. And as they went around Jerusalem, the star evidently had disappeared. And as the star disappeared, they begin to ask these questions. Where is he that is born King of the Jews? They go to the temple. They go to the religious leaders. They start asking questions. In fact, we find from the book Desire of Ages that they caused quite a stir in the city of Jerusalem. These crazy wise men from the east, they're they're coming here and they're asking this question about our Messiah caused quite a row in the city of Jerusalem. Notice what it says in verse nine. And when they saw the star, the Bible says, what did they do? When they saw the star, they what? They rejoiced, but how did they rejoice? With exceeding great joy. Were they excited when they saw that star again? Listen, they were in Jerusalem. They were asking, Where is he that's born king of the Jews? Nobody could answer the question. In fact, the religious leaders were ignoring it like like it had no meaning to it. Do you think that caused a little bit of discouragement to them? They had just traveled weeks, months, who knows how long. And now they're in Jerusalem where the star has led them. And they're asking, where is it? And nobody's able to answer that question. And then that night comes, they're getting on their camels and they're getting ready to go. I don't know where. And as they look up in the sky, what do they see? The star. And the Bible says when they see that star, they rejoice With exceeding great joy, they are so excited. When they see that star, they get on their camels and they say, oh, man, I've got to make another journey. Come on now, church. When they see that star in the sky, they say, what? I've just been traveling for months and I've got to make another trip. Is that what they say? Do they say, man, my, 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 my robes are dirty, my feet are tired, my camels are worn out, and now I have to make another trip on top of that? Is that what they say? What, is the, what does the Bible say they do? They rejoice. But not only do they rejoice, they what? They have exceeding great joy. They're so excited that star has risen in the sky again, and they get to follow it to where Jesus is. Listen to me carefully. Sometimes God will lead you to Jerusalem. because there's a lesson that he, wants you to teach, that he wants to teach you there. You might be going to Jerusalem for one, one reason, but God might be taking you there for another reason. And when you get to Jerusalem, you might be discouraged. Now, you know I'm not talking about physical Jerusalem, but situations in your life. You might get to Jerusalem, and you might be a little discouraged because you're not getting exactly what you were looking for, like the like three wise, or the wise men were. And God might, in, in, the, in, in that opportunity, God might come and lead you to go a little bit further in your spiritual experience. He might say, yes, I wanted you to come here because I had a lesson that I, want you to, that I wanted to teach you, but really, I want you over here. This is the end result. And when God asks you to press through that just a little bit harder, when God asks you to, to, to have a little bit more spiritual tenacity, to press through and to do what he's called you to do, to go through that trial, to go through that difficulty, because there's something better on the other side, don't complain, don't mourn, don't be upset, but rejoice with exceeding great joy because God is leading you. They gave us a good example, Amen. The wise men left us a wise example. And as they persisted, as they continued to go, the star led them to Bethlehem. No, it didn't lead them to Bethlehem. It led them to where Jesus was. When we press through and we hold on and we keep following God, God will lead us to where Jesus is. And there's no better place to be than where Jesus is. Amen? Amen. Now, the Bible goes on, and it says, as the wise men are talking here, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. And what's the last part? <clears throat> we have come to worship him, the Bible tells us. We have come to worship him. Now, if you jump down a few verses, verse 11, you actually find something interesting. The Bible says this, <clears throat> and when they were come... Into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down. And what did they do? And worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The words that are recorded that the wise men spoke were in Jerusalem we have come to worship him. They're in Jerusalem. They're talking to the religious leaders. They're talking to the Jews. We have come to worship him. He wasn't there, so they, they couldn't do it. But when they did find Jesus, what did they do? So this is what we find out. As we look at the wise example that the wise men gave to us, they didn't just talk the talk, but they walked the walk. They didn't just say that they were going to worship God, but they actually worshiped him. They didn't just say that they wanted to know Jesus better, but they actually did it. They didn't just, they, they, their, their experience wasn't just a verbal one, but it was one that came from their heart. When they saw Jesus, when they came to the lowly place where he was, there were no royal guards stationed next to the door where Jesus was laying, but they, as they saw him, they recognized in him their merciful Savior, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Oh, the world today is looking for people who don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Let us follow the wise example that the wise men have given to us and let our light so shine forth from within. Not just on the outside acting good, but coming from the inside, who we really are as God's people and do what God has called us to do. Amen? Follow the example of these wise men. But I want to conclude with the last part of verse 11. Bible says that after they worshipped him, that they gave unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, there's actually a fourth gift that the wise men gave, but the Bible doesn't explicitly state it. The three things that the Bible does mention We know that it was God's providence that these were given to Mary and Joseph because they would need it to make that journey down to Egypt in just a few days. But there is another gift that far superseded the three gifts that the Bible does mention. And I think when when you look at the character of the wise men, it is evident that not only did they give physical gifts, but they gave Jesus their hearts. Amen? Can you see that in the story? These guys were passionate. They were excited. They had one focus in their mind, and that was they wanted to see Jesus. They weren't going to let anything stop them. They weren't going to let people stop them. They weren't going to let nature stop them. They weren't going to let distance stop them. They weren't going to let the weather stop them. Nothing was going to stop them. They must see Jesus. And not only did they give them physical gifts, but they said, Jesus, here is my heart. The book, Desire of Ages, confirms this suspicion. And we find it in Desire of Ages, page 63. It says, they gave their hearts to him as their savior and then poured out their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How many of you would like to follow their wise example? Many of us have already given our heart to the Lord, but sometimes we are tempted to take a little bit of it back. Lord, you can have 90% of it. But you know what? Actually, I'm going to be better than so-and-so in the church. I'm going to give you 95% of my heart. Oh, yeah, so-and-so gives 95, I'm going to give 99. Listen, brothers and sisters, how many of you want to follow the wise example of of these wise men and give our entire hearts to Jesus and say, not my will, but thine be done? I know I have my own ideas, I have my own desires, I have my own wishes, but Lord, it doesn't matter what I want, I'm going to put it to the side and I'm going to give you my heart and say, I want what Jesus wants. Is that your desire? You know, it's always funny to me that at Christmas time, we know that Jesus wasn't born this time of the year, but, you know, people are celebrating the birth of Christ, but it's always been funny to me that this is the time of the year that we give gifts to each other. Has that ever struck you funny? You know, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, knowing that he wasn't born in December, but we're giving gifts to each other. Shouldn't we be giving gifts to God? Shouldn't we be giving something to him? You know, many times God is completely left out of our giving at Christmas time. But I think we would do well to say, Lord, not only am I going to give you my heart like the wise men did, but I'm going to give you today's equivalent of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'm going to give some physical, maybe monetary, maybe time, I don't know, but I'm going to give something to you to celebrate the birth of my Messiah, who not only was born on this earth, but he left heaven, condescended to come down here to this earth, die on a a cross, a cruel death, to give me the hope that one day I can push through this world into the world to come. Don't you think Jesus deserves a gift this time of the year and all year long? Don't you think Jesus deserves something in exchange for the great gift that he has given to us? Oh, friends. Don't leave Jesus out of your holiday giving, but think of some way that you can give back to him this holiday season. And that may require spending a little bit less on gifts so that you have a little bit to give back to the Lord in whatever way he may impress you to give back to him. But let's start someplace where we can all start this morning, and that is by giving him our whole hearts. Amen? Is that your desire this morning? Let's tell the Lord about that. Father in heaven, we are thankful for the example that you've given to us in the wise men. We thank you, Lord, for inspiring Matthew to record this piece of history because it's taught us a lot. And dear Jesus, we pray that you would take all of us, that you would take every bit of our hearts, that we would not withhold back anything, that we would surrender our wills to your will, our ways to your ways, and that we would seek nothing but to stand next to Jesus. Lord, as we think of a way that we can give back to you, I pray that you would impress us, that you would guide us, you would give us wisdom, what that might look like and how we can give a feeble offering, feeble, very feeble, in comparison to what you have given to us. Thank you, Lord. Bless us to this end and bless our church, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.